On today's episode, I sit down with Danny Bayless. He has worked at Hewlett Packard or HP for the past six years in internal sales. He also has been in the investment game for quite some time now, but really the bulk of today's episode, we spent diving into his vast experience in real estate investing. Uh, At the age of 29, Danny's already been a part of 10 different uh, property flips and is now looking to get into multifamily home investments. So uh, for all of you interested in real estate, today's going to be a really fun episode. Uh, It's something we haven't really talked about much on the podcast to date. So hope you guys enjoy and Danny's up next. All right. Well, thanks, Danny, for joining Simply Finance. Everybody, this is uh, Danny Bayless. He is a, um, he's got a lot of different things in his background. He's, uh, he's worked for HP for quite a few years now, and he also does his own investing. Uh, he's very active in the real estate world, which I think would be a lot of fun to talk about today because uh, we honestly haven't talked about that really at all on the podcast yet. So I think I think Danny would be a you know a fun guest. I thought he'd be a fun guest to have on for a lot of different financial reasons. But uh, anyway, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, introduction, and I guess well put. Sometimes I I'm spread a, a little too thin, but um, I think it'll be a, a fun conversation to um, share with your audience, some of the uh, things I've been doing in the real estate world and just, you know, my philosophy is always cash flow is what interests me. And I know you have your own philosophy with that from uh, the stock market and, and my, I have mine from a uh, real estate world. So um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Um, I think my first question, and I thought maybe a good way to start it is just, you know, I'd be curious, we're, you know, basically the same age, and you have a lot of real estate experience already. What kind of, like, when did you get started? How'd you get started? I'd be so curious. I'm like, on here, a lot of times I like to talk about people, like how they went from just zero to one, you know, like how did you go from not having any real estate to your first deal type of thing? I, that, that's a good question. So it's not to, you know, quote Tony Robbins, but he has a quote that sticks with me is it's um, knowledge is not, power, knowledge is potential power, action is power. So I try, I try and live by that. So I've always had, I've always had a passion for real estate. And when I was 24, I just, I I wanted to make it happen. So um, I'm a big believer of just reaching out to, you know, people for a 15 minute conversation, seeing if they could add any value to um, my life. And I ended up finding a couple of realtors that were able to help me out. And I ended up buying a hundred thousand dollar townhome, um, split with my cousin. Um, and we did a fix and flip for that. And I think, you know, I think we ended up making call it $10,000 and $10,000 split between that with the capital gains. It, from a financial standpoint, it, didn't really make sense. With that being said, it was all about the law of the first deal. And we did it. We understood the processes. And now 
I've done um, around 10 fix and flips since then. And, you know, it, it's all about starting small. I started with a small little townhome. I ended up doing larger properties. And now um, I'm actually looking for multifamily apartment buildings on a, on a buy and hold standpoint um, to get some passive uh, cash flow my way. That's awesome. That's so cool. So your first deal, uh, okay, so you had a, you had a partner. That, did that help? Was that, was that something you would suggest people kind of go in with or was that a, a good or a bad thing, I guess? Like, like for, I would say it just goes down to is finding a way to, to make it work. And, you know, I think I threw in some money, he threw in some money and I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, follow my goal of buying a property of fixing and flipping it without him. So I ended up doing um, most of the work on the property. He was more or less a silent partner and we found a way to make it work. So, you know, from a standpoint of would I recommend it? I would um, from a standpoint of it helped me do my first deal. And that's kind of the approach that I'm taking as I'm looking for bigger properties as well is surround yourself with a successful team that could add value to you and find a way to, to make it happen. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, so that makes sense. So I would, I wanted to go back. So your, your thing with Tony Robbins, um, would you mind explaining that a little bit? I, I honestly, you mentioned this to me when we hung out a few weeks ago and I had never heard that before, but it's so true because I think, uh, I, I always think that, and this is something I probably fall, you know, fall into a lot is like wanting to just learn, learn, learn. And sometimes maybe not, not pulling the trigger fast enough and learning fast exactly. enough. So is that well, kind of the, the, the philosophy? Yeah. And you know, for someone, uh, I'd say they're, you know, you certainly need a groundwork. You know, you need to have a, a general baseline of whatever you want to do, whether that's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's opening up your own business, et cetera. With that being said, you know, I sometimes got caught up in, um, I guess you could call it A, over-educating and trying to have everything be, be perfect you know, trying to have all the systems, all the processes in place before I even got started on, on, pers on taking action. And now, you know, I've kind of retooled and more focused on what is one thing I can do today to help me get to whatever that end goal might be. And that, that's what's really helped me I know you and I have uh, talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago, but definitely, I would highly, highly, highly recommend a full focus planner um, to anyone uh, listening right now. It's really reshaped my life in a standpoint of what are the three most important things I need to get accomplished today to help me reach my quarterly my yearly, my three-year goals. That's awesome. So yeah, so you've, have you tried a lot of tools and this is the one that you feel like really stuck with you to kind of do that? Because it's interesting. I think a lot of us probably, like, I, I'll be honest, like I, starting in 2020, I've tried really hard to stick to my, I do bullet journaling, which is kind of similar, but yours is a little more, um, 
it's red it's like structured Formatted. For the day. yeah which is honestly kind of nice because sometimes you know that saves time um but I, I know I'm always one that's like, you know, I always end up falling into like an electronic source at some point a little bit. And then I end up coming back. I'm like, no, no, no. I go through this whole thing where I like hate to have my to-do list on paper if I'm out doing things. Because then I feel like I don't, I, I could be doing the things I need to do on the phone while I'm waiting or whatever. Exactly. But I think sometimes you, you fall, you fall victim to being like trying to be overly productive every second of the day versus like to your point, focusing on a few big things. And accomplishing those big things that are actually going to move the needle versus just right. being busy. Exactly, exactly. So you know, it's, it's interesting. Given the time of this uh, podcast, we've all had a lot more time on our hands over the past few months. And I think you know, whenever someone has more time on their hands, generally things don't stay the same. You either you either find a way to take advantage of that, or you you know catch up on. Netflix, social media, et cetera. And, you know, I just said, I want to find a way to become uh, better at what I do when we get back to normal, whatever that's going to look like. And, you know, whenever that's going to look like. And so I, I've started getting in a morning routine that kind of really just helps me set up the rest of the day from a mindset standpoint. And, um, be ready to kind of attack what I want to do for the rest of the day. Got it. That's awesome. So you, did you feel like uh, since you started using this tool, do you think that's even, that's, has that helped like not just work, but in real estate investing, stock market investing, all of that stuff? Yeah. So, you know, from my standpoint, like I kind of, I live by like four apps. So it, for me, it's, it's faith. It's, you know, call it family and friends, it's fitness and it's finances. So that's kind of, I look at those four Fs and then I say, all right, how do I want to, how do I want to allocate my time to hit all of these buckets and make sure that I'm um, not just spending all my time on, you know, whether it be real estate, whether it be fitness, I, I kind of, it, it helps me plan out my day to make sure that I'm, you know, spending time on my face, spending time with family, friends like yourself, spending time on, on my fitness, as well as um, on my finances as well. So that's, that's what it helped me is kind of um, get everyday activities to kind of hit my big focus areas in life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm. Uh, I've been. I've looked at it a few times, and I. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger on that. You've. Every time I talk to you about it, you convince me more and more. I need to move over to that. So that it's, strategy. It's ninety day. You know, it, it's it's ninety days. So give it a give it a go for try it every single day. And you know, I'm also big on on the gratitude side of things as well because so often we get caught up on all right, what's next. Um, how can I grow my portfolio, whether it be real estate, whether it be stocks, what's my next uh, career move? And then I think there's just so much power in living in the present. So, you know, Definitely. I, I kind of added in a little gratitude uh, side of things as well with three things that I'm grateful for every single day. Um, Love that. I, I do that as well. Yeah, I'll be the, the first to admit that Hewlett Packard, I'm extremely grateful for my my job. With that being said, for me, it's more of a platform as opposed to my purpose. So I think a lot of people in their 20s and their 30s are, 
you know, oh, I, I can't stand this job. I, I, I want to do ABC. A, and while I think there's a lot of power in thinking about what the next move is as well, sometimes you need to take a step back and, you know, realize how fortunate we all are to, you know, have the jobs that we have, to have the opportunities that we have, um, and, and living in the moment as well. Definitely. Totally agree. And I think, uh, honestly, the pandemic in itself has made that even more evident, right? It's like seeing the amount of people who don't have jobs right oh, now. Um, yeah. it's crazy. So I, I guess that's a good, that's a good, uh, leeway. So is, is the, has, you know, this pandemic, it sounds like it's given you an opportunity to kind of reset and to kind of, um, give you an opportunity to focus on what you want to focus on. Has that bloomed into anything that you're, pre- you're pumped about as far as real estate or investing? Goes? Well, you know, for, for myself, um, October is a big 30th birthday. So right. sometimes, right. sometimes that'll make you, you know, just uh, think about, all right, um, you know, is what I'm currently doing what I want to be doing the rest of my life? And, that an- and if that answer is no, you know, you do need to take massive action. So I'm a big believer of just like being extremely curious and reaching out to you know people who you aspire to be. So I'm that I'm that guy on LinkedIn who when I see a, a real estate developer or a real estate investor, I'll reach out to them and I'll say, "Hey, my name's Danny Bayless and wondering if you have 15 minutes for an introductory chat to, you know, for me to learn more about your journey and um, see if we might be able to help each other out in some shape or form." over the next few months. So back with, yeah, back with kind of taking a big goal and, um, you know, splitting it down into daily, weekly activities in my extra time, I've really focused on expanding my network with people who um, are a few steps ahead of me in their real estate journey. And A, so I could learn from them, but B, see if I could add some value in their life as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So just kind of, and it's funny, I have a lot of uh, parallel things going on with this podcast, it sounds like with, with that, because it was something that like I wanted to do for the longest time. And then it kind of just hit me. I was like, if I'm going to be stuck at home, yeah. literally, if I just take the time, I was traveling to the train, commuting on the train, walking to work, and then doing that home. Right. That alone every day, if I just act like kind of the same thing if like you think about like your savings if a lot of people you know just take their savings right off the top and don't think about it it's kind of the same thing with my time it's like yeah I don't want that time to your point to become Netflix and you know sitting around more I want it to become you know whether it's spending time on building something or learning something new or you know spending time you know exercising more something productive it's going to come out of this ahead versus I think a lot of a lot of people fell into the you know maybe feel like they're coming out behind sort of thing. So it's so interesting because it's, I think um, I've learned through a lot of trying to get this podcast started, just the amount of people that are willing to, to your point, jump on the phone or zoom Mm -hmm. for even, even an hour. I've been surprised of how many people have been open to like an hour of conversation just to chat during this time. It seems like people are becoming, and I honestly, I think with all the protesting and the other problems there, it's, people are trying to just be more connected and have empathy and, you know, help people. So it seems like it's such a great time 
to try to improve on all sorts of things like that. Right. And kind of, you know, what, what hit me is the whole idea of surrounding yourself with, with people smarter than yourself. So that actually, it started when I had some back issues and, you know, I was, I was working out and, um, I still had some back issues and I wasn't quite seeing the results that I wanted to see. So what I did is I got a personal trainer and after, after six months of uh, training with him, you know, I saw results at a faster rate than I was getting the previous six months. Oh, interesting. So then what, so then what I said is, okay, how can I, um, how can I take this to other areas of my life? You know, I, I know you, Shane, you, you manage your own portfolio, but with that being said, you genuinely enjoy it and um, you, you're, you're very educated on it. Someone like myself, where I place most of my time in learning about real estate and, and that sort of investment, I've actually hired a financial advisor to um, help manage my portfolio. Um, and it just goes down to, all right. Let me get people smarter around me who could help continue to, um, I guess, expedite my curve, whether it be finances, fitness, et cetera. I love that. I mean, I think, and I I talk about like, yeah, managing my own and Robin Hood a lot on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. to your point, that's just because I really enjoy it. And I actually, you know, I have lots of friends that go the route you went and are, if not as successful, more successful. Um, so there's definitely not a right way to do it. And to your point, it's, I think that there's a huge, huge component of what you just said is putting smarter people around yourself and how powerful that can be. Uh, especially, yeah, like if you don't know everything about real estate, it never hurts to get more mentors and more people around you to learn. Um, right. And then in investing, I think, I think what it really comes down to, yeah, is just it, you're basically giving someone a small cut of what you're investing to again gain their knowledge and hopefully take 10 steps ahead so when it comes to investing i guess that's my, that was gonna be my next question is like what are do you have any like big macro strategies do you have uh what are i guess are your goals when it comes to investing and if you use a if you since you use like an advisor what what do you, how do you work with them and what do you do with them definitely so, you know, I guess we'll start off from, from an investing side of house is what I'm trying to accomplish is I, I'm someone where I want, I want kind of the easy button where I want to invest in low cost index funds and I want to do it on a uh, continuous basis um, so that it's just a part of my lifestyle. And I, you know, my fiance and I, we aren't pulling out money every, you know, once in a blue moon. And I, we just want it essentially taken out of our, our paycheck. And, you know, for, for me, I'm in it in the long term um, for, for long term wealth. I know, I know that there's money to be made in, um, you know, doing short term buy stock, sell it in a few weeks as well as uh, just picking one stock, et cetera. Um, what we're trying to accomplish is we're trying to um, lower our risk by diversifying across low-cost index funds and um, continue to contribute on a monthly, uh, quarterly basis. 
Got it. Love it. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, um, I, you know, I use different strategies, which I mean, those all sound like great strategies to use as well. Um, right. So you're, but you're really treating investing as, you know, not like day trading by any means, but more exactly. of like another tool of investment and, and now, wealth creation, really. Yeah. Qu- question we had for you, Shane, is, you know, let's say you're in a position <clears throat> where you're able to max out the 401k. Yep. Okay. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because someone like, you know, someone like you and I who are earlier in our career, I go, man, thir- you know, thir- I'm, I'm not going to touch this for the next 30 years. I'd much rather want to try and um, have a more liquid type of investment that I could uh, take advantage of um, more over the next, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years. So just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, max, maxing out the 401k if that's in your uh, budget or, or whatnot. Yeah, no, love the question. Um, so for me, I, one of the things that actually, I kind of changed a lot of my mentality at the end of 2019. Um, yeah. I, we had, I had some, I had like a bunch of vacation time built up. So I just took, I think I took two weeks off at the end of the year and Smart, I spent man. a lot of the time, honestly, I was like, I wanted to hit 2020 strong. I was like reading a lot of investment books and uh, I've talked about him a little bit. I'm, I'm definitely not like a fanboy by any means of Dave Ramsey, but I'm starting okay. to, my new strategy is definitely taking some things out of his book. And when I, when I say that, the way I've been thinking about a lot of these um, is I I have have a whole new perspective on trying to be debt free. First, okay. I think I there's a definitely a balance, and I think and this is gonna be a really long winded answer, but I'll try to be no no this nice is good it, because I think gonna, it's an important concept. I'm gonna rebuttal you over something in the real estate world. Love too, it. So this is good. Love it. No, this is great. So I think I think number one. Um, you, it really depends on, first of all, obviously your situation and always will financially. Um, I, but when I, what I think is it really depends on, you know, even if we're the same age, I think one, um, it really depends on, uh, what you have as far as debt. So I guess for like me and Kelly, the one thing I'm not really, I, I, I'm calculating it and I'm keeping track of it, obviously. But when I come to, when I say debt-free, like I don't mean the house right away. I yep. think that the house, for example, as long as you're not over leveraged, just meaning as long as you're not too far ahead of your skis as a proportion of what you're making, uh-huh. um, I, I, don't, I don't factor that in. But what I'm trying to get rid of is a lot of our consumer debt, which we've, we've done a lot of good work on. But really yeah. that would be more of your, you know, obviously like credit card debt, um, you know, car loans, student loans, a lot of those. So I, I honestly, before, before reading some of the investment strategies of Dave Ramsey, I always kind of went down the route of, um, you know, let's max out the 401k. Let's, um, let's max out a Roth IRA. Let's make sure I'm saving like the adequate amount that me and Kelly felt comfortable saving and then post that, then we can kind of spend whatever we want to spend it on. And if that was a monthly payment on a car, um, if that was shopping for whatever, golf, whatever the hell it is we want to spend, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Then I 
I kind of changed my strategy when I, I started thinking about income as a tool versus just making sure your income can cover what you spend slash save. So elaborate on that. So if, you, if you're able to get rid of debt, your income, your income essentially can go a lot farther. And I think more so than like, I've run the numbers and of course, like depending on your situation, the numbers don't always check out right away to like not max out your 401k. If you look at like a, a long-term horizon of compounding interest, but okay. I have believed and honestly, like me and Kelly have been sticking really tight since the beginning of the year to kind of like the, the Ramsey philosophy of budgeting. Nice. And it's, I would say more so than anything, like it's not like fundamentally we've like totally changed the way we spend and save, but we definitely are focused on getting our debt paid off, which then I just feel like mentally we, we've thought about our money a lot differently. And I'm noticing that we're, our spending habits are changing a lot more. And, I, and what we're doing is instead of just making sure we pay the monthly payment and then allowing ourselves to honestly spend more because the rest is, we already saved what we needed to, the rest is in our 401ks. We're trying to group as much as we can to put towards paying off, like our last debt is our car. Yep. And so by doing that and running those numbers, if you, if you kind of flip it on its head and try to do that over, depending on how deep you are in debt, right? And depending, a lot of people have a lot of student loans, needed a car when they got out of college. So your situation could be a lot different. But we luckily were in a position where we could quickly finish my student loans. Just I basically yep. paid ahead two years and finished them off. And now we're seeing, it's amazing when you start to snowball debt and get the debt paid off. Uh-huh. how much how much further your income really goes and honestly what's what started to happen is we've like basically you know marked off or xed off each debt as we've gone down like the snowball is what it's called yep the income can then be used for whatever we want and now that we're now that we have more income going to the bottom line cuz we don't have debt to pay we're investing more of it and obviously yeah. right now the market's hot but over time, I'm now kind of under the belief that if you can get rid of your debt, at least, I would, and again, I'm not speaking on mortgages necessarily. I have a little bit different philosophy there. But if you can get rid of your consumer debt first, then going back and maxing out your 401k and maxing out investments, my belief in just running the numbers that I've looked at is like over your lifespan, especially if you're our age, you will catch up on what you missed on the compounding interest by not maxing those out. Got it. And then you'll have... And I've already noticed this, like chunking off the debts we had, like we didn't have like credit card debt, but we always carried like a bigger balance than I would. We always paid like the full statement amount, but yeah. you always had in the back of your head, like this chunk of money that's due next month. Yep. And now we just, we, I pay it off all the time. And then like not having um, my student loans anymore. And then like getting the car close, like all those things, you almost feel like just this like, this is like, it's, it's weird, but it's real. Like the, the de-stress it does for you, it's like a weight off your shoulders. And then to me, it's like, okay, maybe like we weren't, you know, building as much of the investment or much of our savings during this short period of time. If you can really like focus on paying the debt off. Yep. It's amazing too, if you use your income as a tool that way and try to like pay ahead and get it done. You, if you run the numbers and just do it in Excel real quick, usually you can pay a lot of these things off a lot faster than you'd think. And sometimes it just comes down to like living a little bit further below your means for a short period of time. And then like me and Kelly's strategy going forward is going to be like, if we want to get a new car, the plan would be like, we haven't had debt. So we're going to be saving and investing a lot more. 
And over time, the plan is like the next car we want to buy in cash. And then we're going forward, we're going to do our very best to like not be borrowing anymore. And kind of just like, to me, it was like this flip of a strategy of having, you know, a bucket of money you, you, you know, first of all, we're banking on getting every month. I mean, the coronavirus has taught me that like relying on cash flow that you don't control is very dangerous. Agreed. So we are, you know, having that on the, on the other side, like you have all these debts that you need to make payments on every month. I mean, it, it gets, it, to me, it's just like an unneeded stress if you can kind of change your positioning. So we're kind of in the middle of it, but I hope that kind of answers your question. Like our strategy was I pulled back on a lot of like the 401k um, allotment, even with some of the matching, because uh-huh. me running the numbers, I could pay off our you know, five-year car loan in maybe a year and a half if I did it over the short term. So I'm, you know, maybe missing out on a year of, of matching. But if you run that number, you, you can quickly see like if then the, the amount of money you can put back into your investments and savings, you can surpass a lot of that pretty quickly. Like compounding interest is totally real, not, not discounting the, like the power of that. But I will be honest, I think I would rather have to like, I think I would make better decisions and honestly live a happier financial life with not having debt and then having the, the, you know, basically the ceilings, the limit on where our investments can go. And then to be honest, what, what is, I've started to notice is like changing that strategy and not, and like trying to borrow less. I think me and Kelly will be prepared for anything going forward. Like if it's the coronavirus, if it's right. some other virus, if I get laid off and I'm out of work for six months, like if we don't, if we're not borrowing things anymore, um, and we have a, we're in a good cash position. I've just basically to summarize all that long winded answer. I've become such more of a cash is King person mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you deleverage yourself, no matter if you missed out on a small amount of cash, you can make it up. And then just, I, I just think I can make better decisions, you know, having a better cash position now with real estate. The only thing that he and some other people have convinced me of, which we just did was, um, getting, well, and again, this is key. So th- this is where like a little bit more math comes in. But um, trying to get a 15-year mortgage was, I, you and I talked about this a little bit, was we yep. went from a 30, <clears throat> we refinanced to a 15. Um, and I, one of the guys I had on in one of the first episodes, Thorne, he's a wealth advisor. And he, he pointed out like you could, some, he, it always depends on your situation, but his, his belief as like a professional is, you obviously don't want to always put all that extra cash into the house if you can invest it and make more on the side. I totally agree. There's like, there's two ways to do it. And I, I don't discount the other one. Um, but for me, from like real estate, I think the key for me, and I would, I would love to kind of after this, spin this back to you and hear your rebuttal. Cause I think you have much more experience in this mind. This is a good example of, this is my philosophy, but you've been in the trenches and, and seen it right. and done some of it. Like for our main home, we were able to luckily refinance and get down to 15, stretched just maybe a little bit, but we got, we cut a rate in half. So honestly, it wasn't a big change for us and cutting 15 years off the mortgage is going to save us hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest, which is nuts over the life of, you know, the loan. And I think sometimes people don't look at it that way. I think a lot of people, I personally, I like running those numbers. It's not something the bank just hands you. So looking at the life of your loan and realizing how much you're going to end up paying an interest and what the true cost of owning that house is, is sometimes like, I mean, it was eye opening and blew my mind when I saw what our house, like the true cost over 30 years would have cost us. Um, but I think for the one, the one thing I'm, 
I feel confident in this strategy is like our first home, I wanted to get us to 15. Luckily we were able to do that in the first two years to like refinance and the, the numbers made sense. As far as like further real estate investments, I've, and I mean, my dad were just talking about this cause he's thinking about retiring and wanting to get into real estate and do something with passive income. And the one thing that would worry me, and I told him this at his age, and it's again, depends on everyone's age. It's very different situations, but if you're to buy a second um, or a third or whatever, you know, real estate property, making sure you're not over leveraging yourself with that, because and this is where you're much, you're much more the professional than I am. But to me, that feels like a large risk, like no different than buying a car you should you couldn't afford or, you know, overspending on your credit card, because I would assume, you know, depending on your level of confidence and occupancy, um, it just becomes another debt that you owe a mortgage on every month. So I would, I, I feel like me and Kelly's strategy at this point would be, you know, we'd want to hopefully buy something mostly in cash. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and really I would, th- I, I would rather do kind of like what you, how you started and almost, I'd rather buy something much smaller, totally in cash if I could. And then that way the renting is passive income from the start and I don't have to worry yeah. about paying it back. And then once there's enough cash there, I could do it again and kind of like grow it slowly, but surely that way without any debt. Um, I don't, that's not, that's definitely not realistic for like us today, or I would think most people to get started, but that's kind of where my head's at just with my philosophy of trying to minimize debt. Um, does that answer so, your question? That was only like a 45 minute response, but no, I, that, you know, I, I think you unpacked a lot of knowledge there. And, you know, one thing that really stood out to me is, you know, during winter break, you invested probably 10 hours in reading um, a Dave Ramsey book. Uh-huh. And that 10 hours, you know, now has really transformed how you're, how you're looking at money. And, and I realize you aren't taking every single philosophy, but sure. you know, it's just the power of, yeah, we're talking about investing, whether it be real estate, whether it be stocks and it sounds cliche, but take the time to invest in yourself as well. And definitely me, my, my kind of game changer book was rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Nice. So actually what I'm going to read next. So I was going to ask okay. you today what your book would be. To right. Read, to so, like so that's, that's it for me. And I, I highly recommend it. And it's kind of in line with, in line with what you're saying is, you know, who is, um, who's actually the, the, the richer person, the person who um, has multiple streams of income and yeah, sure. They have a smaller house, but it's essentially, you know, paid off and uh, they don't have much debt or the person who is almost keeping up with the Joneses has a beautiful house, beautiful cars, et cetera. And by no means am I saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't get a nice car. If that's what if that's what you genuinely enjoy and what brings you happiness, go for it. Just have just have a plan in place and, and don't play the keeping up with the Joneses. So that just yeah, kind of, right. yeah, that just really stood out to me with just you know, you taking 10 hours to read a book that's now transferring how you're going about paying down debt, finances, etc. And I guess, you know, for me, I would say, you know, and you hit that nail on the head there. There's, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay. So if I, let's say if I have a hundred thousand dollars and I want to get into real estate investing, me personally, I would much rather want to 
put down $20,000 on five homes and take advantage of leverage so that I can increase my overall cash flow as opposed to buy one home for $100,000. And similar, you know, I, I could do the math on the additional cash flow that I'd be able to get. Now, with that being said, too, though, I'm trying to, th there's really no wrong or right way to go about it. Like, I'm trying to turn a real estate investment portfolio into a business. If you're trying to buy a property for, you know, some of the tax advantages to have supplemental income, there's no, there's no, again, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. However, I believe if you want to really scale in the real estate world, you do need to have debt. And now it's, it's being smart with it too. You know, that you could, it's not about putting 5% down on a home and now you're upside down if something goes wrong. You know, I, I believe, you know, to have healthy debt, put down the 20% and, um, that's how I think that should scale. But again, that is a lot of people could consider that good debt because you're buying buying an asset to try and um, grow your cash flow as opposed to bad debt, whether it be you know a car, credit cards, student loan, um, things like that. Got it. Okay. So for you, how when you say, um, I guess the when you, I'm trying to think how I want to frame this question. You, so how would you approach someone who is, you know, new into this and they are able to put 20% down mm -hmm. and they, so obviously they have a, like a mortgage payment every month. How do you, how do you think about, um, like occupancy and making sure there is cash flow coming in? Or is it like you would not move, you would not go into an investment on real estate unless you had also had like, I don't know, a three or some, some type of month coverage of the mortgage payments on the side in case you couldn't get someone in right away? Or how, does, how do you think through all that? Well, I guess A, it goes down to kind of reverse engineering is, all right, what is my goal of this? So when I started off in real estate, I wanted to try and make you know $20,000 two to three times a year. And now um, my strategy is more, how can I get monthly cash flow on a consistent basis. And, you know, like myself, I'm more interested in small uh, apartment buildings as opposed to single family properties. And, you know, to answer your question, a single family property, when there's no one in the unit, uh, you aren't making a penny and the, the bills continue to go on. However, if you're buying, let's call it an eight unit property, and there's you know, one or two tenants that aren't in the building, you're still paying the mortgage every month, you're still probably positive cash flow. So like for me, it goes down to diversification as well as scale. And I realized in order for me to scale, um, that might include partners and to anyone on listening right now, I'd be open to any sort of partnership, et cetera, if this is something that interests you. But yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons of the single family space and there's pros and cons of the multifamily space. You know, some people say, hey, start small in the single family, 
and then scale on up to multifamily, some people will say, you know what, just start right off in the multifamily. Me, I don't think there's necessarily any right or wrong. It just depends on, on what your confidence level is and, and what the end goal is as well. Got it. Yeah. So you, so even in multifamily there, you're saying there's a lot of situations where you wouldn't necessarily have to have full occupancy to be cash flow positive in a lot. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Correct. And you know, even how you're looking for, for passive cash flow ideas, as well as your father is there are opportunities out there where you can be a small limited partner on a large multifamily uh, uh, apartment building. You know, you, you might be, granted, you might only own, earn 1% of the building, but you might, you could possibly be a part owner of a hundred unit apartment building. And ah, that's yeah. why people who have been in the business a long time, a lot of people, you know, they'll start off in the uh, single family space, but then just from an economies of scale, they'll scale on up to 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, a hundred unit apartment buildings. The person who I'm getting mentored from right now, he has a 150 unit apartment building in Indianapolis and his kind of break even point is, I believe it's 115 units. So he could afford to have 35 units vacant while still paying the bills as wow. opposed to single family. You know, if, the person moves out, your cash flows yeah. at, at zero. So I Got would just it. say, yeah, I would just say it's, it goes down to, and there's a lot more risk, a lot more leverage in the commercial space as well. So it goes down to um, weighing out the, the risks, the pros and cons of both, and um, seeing what, what fits best for that first deal. Okay. And is there a, is there like groups? Is there a, um, like platform? Like how do people, how do people get involved in that? Like, I, I guess that's interesting to me is like getting it as like a partner in a bigger deal. Or is that all like, or is it all like offline and people just know each other and it's kind of like, can't you're just making deals together. How does it all work? I mean, you know, similar to what I said in the beginning is I'm a big believer of just you know, whether it be LinkedIn, whatever platform that might be, reach out to people in the industry, let them know what you're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, it's the law of numbers. More people you reach out to, the, the greater chance you have of someone pointing you in the right direction. With that being said, there's, um, there's a tool out there called Bigger Pockets, which um, I'm sure a, a fair amount of listeners are familiar with. That's Think of it almost as uh, LinkedIn for real estate investors only, as well as um, like how I got started is I just went to meetup.com. I typed in real estate investing and I try to go to as many real estate meetups as I could go to. In Granite, you're going to go on a Tuesday night on a Thursday night after a day of work and some of them are going to be pointless. But it goes down to is if you could find, you know, those one, two people to that would say, you know, hey, Shane, hey, Danny. Yeah, I could, you know, help you with ABC. It's all worth it. So that's right. Uh, that would be my recommendation for someone who is trying to uh, 
learn the industry more, uh, create an account on Bigger Pockets, and find meetups in your local area where you'll be able to connect with contractors, real estate agents, lenders, uh, you know, you name it, uh, they're going to be there. Oh, so it's even more than just people looking to invest. This is like almost like a, it's creating like a, a network of its own of just people involved in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the, what, what's the saying where it's like, you're the average of the five people who you hang out with the most. Right. Uh, I think the real estate industry in particular is all about the team that you have in place is, you know, do I have a contractor who's going to be able to help me? Do I have a real estate agent who will be able to find me a, um, you know, a solid property? Do I have a lender who could give me a loan? So all that, you know, real estate isn't a one person game, obviously, nor is life in itself, but um, it, it really is about the team that you have in place to, execute whatever business plan you're trying to accomplish. Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. No, it, that's a, that's such good advice for people wanting to get involved. I think the one thing doing a few of these, these like interview style podcasts now I've noticed is uh, a lot of people just got started and just jo- dove in and are figuring it out. Right. I think with finance, no matter if it's real estate or investing, I feel like the biggest barrier to entry is just people get overwhelmed and think it's, you know, it's too complicated for me to figure out. So we don't, you don't try where it's like something like your meetup, like that's, was it free to go? Yeah, it was free. It was free. So like, boom, if you just want to, I mean, like that's such a great thing that, you know, coupled with being on LinkedIn, I mean, shoot, you could just go and, uh, and learn and see if it's something you're interested in or see if it's something that you like, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, Bill Gates said like most people, overestimate what can be accomplished in one year and underestimate what can be accomplished in 10 years. And it's, it's so true. And like, back to your point is people are like, man, I don't know how to invest. And out of college, I, I really, I didn't really know what I was doing, but that's the reason why a, I got a financial advisor who I trust who is low cost and he was able to get me started as well as, you know, what I discussed earlier um, is, is the self-education in itself. You know, sure. we're, all, we're all banking on, you know, retirement, whatever that's going to look like when we're older, lasting 30 years, yet we really only focus on our finances. I think it's like the average person focuses on it like under 10 hours a year. So if you could, yeah, yeah, which Never is just... That. And it's crazy to think about, but it's, it's, it's true too. People are like, all right, yeah. what am I putting in my 401k? What am I doing in my IRA? And they kind of call it a day. So um, just investing in yourself from a standpoint of uh, focusing on the long term as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think I appreciate that. I think they, like my listeners will get a ton of value out of that. Um, do you you've kind of hit on it a few times, but I think like the key thing for this episode, I was curious, like what, what would be the one thing you would tell someone who like has no idea how to do it, but just is dying to learn. Is it to go to a meetup? Is it to just get a hold of people on LinkedIn? Like, how do you, what would you say was like the most important step to getting started? I'd say for any, for any of the listeners, if you want to give my contact information, I'd be happy to, 
um, tell them kind of what my recommendation is. I would say, you know, the two things is how can I get a ground work, uh, an, a baseline understanding of, of the real estate world. So investing in myself, reading, you know, Google, top real estate investment books. Yeah. Pick two to three that you want to do. And then, yeah, it, it's going down to uh, getting an account on bigger pockets as well as attending some meetups and just, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you don't, if you aren't uh, an expert by any means, just be a fly on the wall, taking as much as you can and find one to two connections, every meetup that you go to and do it for three to six months. And now you have your team in place with probably a strategy as well that, uh, you want to execute on. Perfect. No, that's great. Do you, do you want to give us a hint on where your next investment's going to be? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, like Illinois is, if you look at it statistically, how you look at investments statistically, there's a lot more attractive, um, markets out there, particularly Southeast, Southwest, um, Ohio has some pockets. With that being said, um, my network right now is in Illinois. So um, I'm actually looking at a small multifamilies uh, outside the city of Chicago uh, for a number of reasons. Um, so looking in, in, in Illinois uh, for small multifamily properties um, and doing a handful of campaigns right now to uh, try and get something under contract by end of year. Awesome. Well, it'd be, it'd be fun to have you on in the future again and see how it's all gone and, you know, try to unpack what happened and, you know, hear your update. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, it, you know, it, it all goes down to uh, real estate is what I want to do. And that's why I've, you know, lived below my means with that being said. Uh, and you talked about it too, diversification. So I, right. I still have, you know, the 401k, I'm still uh, investing with my financial advisor. However, I'm in relatively liquid assets so that when I find the property that I'm going to move forward on, I'll be able to, to execute on, on the deal. Got it. Love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I have two questions at the end. I'm gonna, these are kind of uh, questions that I've heard uh, some other really good interviewers ask. I thought it'd be interesting just to ask you. So this is something new. So we'll, we'll see how spot. this goes. I like it. Okay. You ready? Far away. First, first one is a kind of a funny one. I, well, actually I had three. The first one though was what, what was your like number one book to recommend? You said rich dad, poor dad. Is there anything, any other ones that you would recommend the, the, the listeners today? Rich dad, poor dad is, is my recommendation. Hands down. If you're into entrepreneurship, investing, uh, et cetera. So that okay. would be my, my main book recommendation. Awesome. Okay. Uh, the second question was going to be, who comes to mind when I say who is the third most successful person that you, you know? Not know, but like follow, or who do you think is the third most successful person? Third most successful person that I know is, uh, I'd, I'd say probably my dad. Um, from a standpoint of he has been a business owner his whole life, yet he's always been able to make it to any of my baseball, my basketball games, et cetera. Um, and he's been successful in the financial world as well as, um, you know, couldn't have asked for a better dad. 
That's an awesome answer. Love it. Um, and then the last one, just to bring it totally back to a little more finance question is, uh, I know you work with a, obviously you work with an advisor, so maybe you're not into the weeds as much, uh, as maybe I am, but uh, do you have any companies, especially now, I think we're in such this pivotal point in the markets going forward. Do you have any companies or industries or sectors that, uh, you are really interested in and think could be a great place to put some money over the next, you know, year, two years? I'd say it, it goes down to is, you know, what are you most comfortable with? So for someone like me, I've been in technology sales for the past, what, six years now. So that is, those are the types of companies that um, I follow is technology is because I know it and I know what's going on in the marketplace. So um, I don't have a, a specific uh, company that I'd, I'd recommend, but uh, I think if you look at technology and internet of things and where we were at in 2000, 2010, 2020, and, and where we could be in 20 years, I don't think it's an industry that's going anywhere. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Um, that, that was my last question. Uh, we've been doing this for over an hour. I love it. I this love it. And, and I followed up uh, Corey G. So that was, uh, I had big. Yeah, you did. Bill, and <laughs> hopefully uh, your listeners got some value out of it. It was definitely yeah. fun for me. Definitely. I thank you. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it was really fun having you on. It was great to talk, you know, real estate and some different parts of the finance world that we haven't talked about on here at all yet. So very excited. and would love to have you on in the future. I like it. I like it. Hopefully uh, the real estate portfolio will be bigger by then. And uh, if you want to put my contact information in uh, uh, the notes on this podcast, please be my guest. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I guess my last thing would be, do you, is there any, what's the best way to get a hold of you if someone wants to you know, learn more or just talk with you? Uh, cell phone 630-550-1583. Uh, feel free to you know, ping me on LinkedIn. Um, or my email, uh, which Shane, I'll, I'll give to you afterwards and, uh, reach out that way. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, cool. thank you so much, Danny. Appreciate you coming on and, uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. All right. See you. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I have two quick notes I wanted to share with you. They're both links in the show notes. The first one is to Robinhood. So, Robinhood is the platform that I do all of my trading on. If you are interested and want to start up with a free account, uh, Robinhood always has free trading, no commissions, no fees. Uh, by signing up with my link, you get a free stock, I get a free stock. It's a pretty sweet deal. Second link is for the stock market rebound tracker Google Sheet that I have given everyone for free. It's going to need a new name soon as we're almost out of the rebound from the coronavirus pandemic. But this is really just a list of the stocks that I'm keeping an eye on as the market bounces back. So if you'd like to click on that, you can get a full list of the stocks I'm keeping an eye on. And hopefully that can help drive some of your investment decisions as well. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. 